With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you believe you can live a pain-free, vital life? Do you want to step back into your power and share your gifts with the world? Are you ready to make a commitment to you? It's time to reclaim your inheritance as a self-healer. Welcome to the Nature of Healing. Hello, healers. I'm Roseanne. Dave Johnson began his medical career as a conventionally trained physician assistant, including work in the areas of ophthalmology, orthopedics, urgent care, family practice, and internal medicine. He also taught clinical medicine at the University of Wisconsin and Augsburg University Physician Assistant Programs. He trained homeopathically at the International Foundation for Homeopathy in Seattle and the Northwestern Academy of Homeopathy in Minneapolis, and is a certified classical homeopath and professional member of the North American Society of Homeopaths. He's been seeing clients in Madison and Pewaukee, Wisconsin, as well as online for the past 20 years. He is a faculty member at the Northwestern Academy of Homeopathy in Minneapolis and a mentor for students and professional homeopaths, as well as the author of the new homeopathic textbook, Radiance, Resonance, and Healing, the Homeopathic Periodic Table. Welcome, Dave, to the Nature of Healing podcast. Uh, thank you, Roseanne. As you know, I utilize homeopathy myself, and I found you through mutual homeopathic friends in Minnesota as a source in Wisconsin, because I love what homeopathy offers for custom healing. It goes way beyond the physical mold to these unique frequency beings that we are. Homeopathy itself can be described in many ways. So to start off, how do you break down the idea of homeopathy? Okay. Um, well, I look at each of us as having incredible, uh, profound, deep healing capacities within ourselves, and that our system as a whole, physically, mentally, and emotionally, is always doing its best to make sense of the circumstances we're in and uh, and adapt and and survive. And we could say that that's a very strong instinct, but there's an equally strong instinct for us to grow and unfold, evolve, self-actualize, uh, and fully express ourselves. So the process of responding to and adapting to these different stresses we come across is is uh, going on all the time, day after day after day. And, and it really is a way, it, it's a means by which we do uh, gradually unfold and um, become more able to uh, deal with uh, challenging circumstances. But there are times when, whether it's in childhood or uh, familial patterns where there have been stresses that were too strong, too prolonged, and we kind of get stuck in old survival patterns that really are limiting us. Uh, they, they serve a purpose for a time and a place, but then we hang on to them, not realizing that we're hanging on to them, and as we do that, they start becoming more and more uncomfortable. They, they start creating more and more dis-ease relative to our growth. So homeopathy in a nutshell is informing our system as a whole as to how it's gotten stuck and the price that's coming with that. And 
what this does is provokes that deep inner healing capacity within each one of us. So the remedies that we use are doing half the job. Here's how you've gotten stuck. And then our system as a whole, that again, that unique uh, and deep healing capacity within each one of us does the rest of the work in a, in a way that is uh, much um, again, much more profound than anything we could decide about how we want to steer the system physiologically and manipulate um, these natural healing mechanisms in a, again, in a certain direction, period. So, so um, I guess that is homeopathy in a nutshell relative to more chronic conditions but the same general philosophy really holds true for uh, remedies used for injuries and short-term illness in which each of us have our own unique ways of responding to those stresses and the remedies are going to be matched to those unique stress reactions that each of us are expressing. Yes. And when you are with a client, Dave, do you, do you tend to go beyond what the client describes as their typical symptoms? Are, do they understand what they're getting themselves into when they're working with you? <laughs> Most of the people I think do. They've, they've maybe read about it or maybe they're at their wits end of, uh, with other, uh, trying other things, particularly conventional medicine, uh, which deals very well with things that are measurable, but uh, the fact is most of who we are as human beings is not measurable. And uh, until we talk directly with a person who's um, suffering, we, we really don't know what they're going through. So in effect, they are the expert on the problem because they're the ones experiencing it. We, we can measure that discomfort with lab tests and x-rays and CT scans and MRIs and so on. But really, we can go directly to the source and ask the person, what is this like for you? How does this feel physically? How does it feel mentally? How does it feel emotionally? And they will tell us. So we talk about a mind-body connection. But the fact is, is that there never was a disconnection. We use the words mind and body as though they're two separate things. But I would call it more of a mind-body unity and that eventually physical symptoms will speak a language that is not confined to just the physical, but it moves into the emotional and mental realms, such as... Uh, my back pain is achy in the mornings and it's really hard to get out of bed and uh, it takes a while for me to, to loosen up and, and heat helps it and, and it just gets me really worried. Is this going to get worse? And uh, if it gets worse, what's going to happen to uh, how I'll make money at my job and, and uh, will, will I have a place to live? And who would be there to support me? So that's the, that's the type of history that will begin to unfold if we just give space for it. Mm -hmm. and, and these remedies are incredibly precise for these different dilemmas that we find ourselves in. We're so used to thinking about solutions in terms of what Western medicine has to offer but it is no exaggeration that nature is a thousand times more specific for these problems that we run into. And that has been a never ending experience of wonder for me that people will come in and describe situations that seem very unique and almost unsolvable, certainly from a conventional medicine perspective. And sure enough, there is 
a remedy that can match up with the constellation of symptoms that they have. I guess I'll give just a quick example. Early on in my practice, I had a little four-year-old boy that had been, um, you could say, kicked out of three or four daycares because he had some impulsive violence, not really in premeditated, but if somebody would bump into him, he would hit the other child, and, and he also had problems with um, hyperactivity. Well, after getting a full history about the whole um, story of his fears and his impulsiveness and so on, I found a matching remedy um, of a flower, and after a month or so when the mom and the her son returned to the clinic. He was better. She was happy. Of course, I, as a new homeopath, was pretty happy. And they left. And then I thought to myself, how in the world is that flower even out there? How is that flower able to address this impulsive violence? And somehow, nature has accounted for the fact that we are going to encounter these types of problems in our journey on earth. And, and that, as I said before, that wonder of, of all of the different things you could say that nature has accounted for has just been an amazing experience for me over the last, uh, you know, 20, 25 years. That is an amazing story. And it, it shows the dynamic, our, our deep connection to nature. And like you said, how everything connects, it, it goes way deeper than, than conventional medicine, which tries to fit everybody into a mold or diagnosis definition to all be treated the same way. We live in nature. We are nature. Um, and natural healers know that you can't compare these two modalities on the Western medical model. Because, each home, because, you know, each homeopath will come up with a different remedy for the same client, right? And what are your thoughts on that? How different homeopaths are coming up with potentially different remedies that all work? Yes. Um, okay, so getting back to the idea of when we're stressed and we're living out of old survival patterns, we could think of it not to knock... Uh, a junior high school kid, but just imagine that, you know, they're going through a lot of hormonal changes and development on all these different levels, and sometimes they're acting a little bit unconsciously. <laughs> so we could say that um, they're acting out in a way that uh, is not, is reflecting the, the stress that they're under. And Let's say that instead of punishing them for their behavior, you have a friend or a teacher, uh, uh, a family member that can say, hey, do you realize what you're doing? And all of a sudden they wake up and it's like, oh, wait a second, I don't want to be doing that. And uh, if that message is clear enough, uh, they may never repeat the, uh, the behavior. So there's a lot of ways that that person could be um, uh, given feedback about their behavior. And some of those messages are going to be closer and some may be not as close, but still able to exert an influence. And that's why the, uh, the, the, the correcting mechanisms or the self-healing mechanisms are so deep that they don't need a lot of help, but they, they at least need a hint about how some unconscious pattern is playing out. That's why I feel like we could have a lot of different solutions and everybody would have their own um, truth to why they had chosen a particular remedy. Um, and that, and the fact that most of the time those remedies will, will work. Yeah. And that speaks to the beauty of frequency or energy medicine, that it's not only specific to each individual client, but it's specific to the relationship, I think, that's created between you, the homeopath, and the client. I think it tells a deeper story about why 
one person is drawn to one healer over another. And it's, there's this affinity for both of them to come together in some way to learn something. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, I also feel that a modality, no matter how powerful, and homeopathy can be a very powerful um, healing modality, it still um, needs to be used with the right intention and the, um, uh, the right um, caring uh, towards the person seeking help. So it isn't just the tool. It, as you said, it, there is something about the, the relationship as well that, that there's trust there, that a person feels safe and in talking about some difficult circumstances or experiences. And even that begins the process of healing, but a remedy can then continue um, to have that uh, process unfold. I just wanted to go back to something you were talking about earlier with Western medicine that I'll hear many times um, the statement, I just want to know what this is. And the idea that a diagnosis then tells us what this is. And really, a diagnosis is simply a quick way of communicating information. It doesn't carry a lot of depth about understanding the individual. It tells us perhaps quite a bit uh, in a short phrase about what's happening at a physical level, but the underpinnings of that physical problem or problems are not well understood at all through the name of a, of a uh, disease. So that's why we can turn to the experience uh, that a person is having, trusting that that um, while, while it may seem quite simple at the surface, the process, it, it very quickly goes deeply into patterns that um, are um, driving our behavior uh, in uncomfortable ways. Yeah, you're all, <clears throat> you're definitely speaking from a very deep level of understanding of how we interact with nature, how nature interacts with itself, with us. Um, how has your process changed from the beginning? Oh, that's a, that's an interesting question, Roseanne. Um, there are really sophisticated computer programs that are used to uh, search for remedies. And I used to always use that interface um, between the client and myself, I would use the words that they were um, conveying and, and then use computer searches in this, um, in this homeopathic software to come up with potential remedy matches. So I came into a period where my computer was completely, uh, repeatedly breaking down and I, I simply couldn't rely on the software, and yet the people were coming in had histories that I was understanding. And, you know, there could be a thousand remedies out there, but somehow the right person was showing up during this time that uh, my computer was down. And there were other experiences at that time where, for example, I was looking at a handout about a group of remedies, thinking to myself that um, I, I wouldn't have any idea how to use this group of remedies. And within a week, somebody showed up that couldn't have described that particular group of remedies better than, I mean, I, it was unmistakable that the little I had gleaned from the handout was being expressed to me by the client. And that those types of experiences, and there were others, made me trust that we're part of this higher order and, and um, 
the right people are showing up for us. That there are there are teachers, and we have something to learn from them, and hopefully we can help them in return. But that trusting that there's no mistake that this person is um, in the office today, and um, that this is not going to be an exercise in futility, uh, really helped me drop concerns like, well, you know, I hope I'm going to be able to get the right remedy, and I hope that they think I'm a good homeopath, and and dropping those more um, egotistical worries really uh, allowed a freedom for the client to express what was going on, and, and we were able to get in the flow of what was happening for them much more quickly. So now I just have that trust um, that 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 limited state, that limiting state that they're experiencing will declare itself, and we just give it the time it needs to to do so, and uh, and it inevitably does. You mentioned that you know you see your clients as teachers. Can you describe um, a story that? shows me that uh gosh i i could probably go to the last person i just saw um it gets a little bit complicated uh to describe that in the sense that um the background of how what what they were teaching um can be so nuanced but it it in effect it's that they will if a remedy is like looking at a a monument or a statue and you can see it from a different angle and let's say you know the proverbial elephant and we see the you know the ears and the, the the big legs and and then we think of a remedy in that way and we can get used to seeing it just in that way it's as if somebody can come in and they're describing something about the legs and the ears, but then they talk about the trunk and that you, you realize, oh, that, that's part of that remedy too. That, that's, I, I had forgotten that or, or um, that's something that's not written about in the books, but it's clearly connected with the same theme as the ears and the legs. And, and I hope that's not too abstract, but. No, that's a great analogy. So, um, yeah, it's it's very exciting to to meet new clients and to see uh, people in follow up, and um, you know it, it's it's very rewarding, of course, to see people doing better. But um, you know, there's speaking to those times where people haven't gotten better from a remedy. It isn't discouraging in the same way that it would have been early on because it's like, hmm, I, I chose the best remedy that I could under the circumstances at that last visit. What, what is it that is, is hiding here? Or what is it that's, that, that I'm not understanding or, or perhaps is, is out of, out of the awareness right now? And so, a previous remedy acts as a platform for understanding what needs to be done in terms of an adjustment. Yes, because we're always evolving. That makes complete sense to me. And, uh, you know, you mentioned people who use these machines with large databases of information. Are some of these people who are utilizing these machines, are they sacrificing something in their own ability to learn about themselves being plugged into a machine? Um, well, you know, I, I, I guess it's just right, what's right for them at this time. But I, I, um, I want to just go back to like when I was working as a physician assistant and there was something that I, I wasn't dissatisfied as a, as a PA. I just really felt like there was something that, felt off with the idea that the uh, healing would somehow be restricted to people that had gone to 
medical school who could afford that um, uh, that time and money to do that, and that and that other people were were kind of left in the dark as far as healing. And it feels to me that it's ironically that healing is really available to all of us and it the process can be very simple at the surface but very deep in a way that that all of the um um uh instrumentation can't really reach in uh, now uh, maybe it can reach it in a certain way and and i'm not at all being critical about that but there there is something, a, a really profound depth that everyone has that can be gradually accessed in terms of what they understand about what's going on and for them. And so in the process of a um, interview, I like to understand what are you feeling? You know, how is this affecting you? How is this affecting your life? So the what and the how of the person's experience is more important than, say, going to why do you think this is going on? Because if we stay with the what is this experience like, how is it affecting you, by the end, the what, the why is this going on becomes self-evident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say that I come to you for what I believe to be symptoms related to electromagnetic frequencies or EMFs. And since I've done all this research, you know, on 4G and 5G, and I'm concerned about the health impacts, do my symptoms come from these EMFs or from somewhere else? Well, okay, so it's it's not to deny that there can't be uh, problems that be uh, that are created for certain people with electromagnetic uh, fields, but with any kind of stress, because we're all wired a little bit differently, each of us are going to experience that stress. In this case, uh, electromagnetic fields or G five and so forth. Where each of us are going to experience that slightly differently. So. There is an approach that is called isopathic uh, prescribing, which would be um, directly matched with the, you could say, the offending um, stimulus, the electrical fields. But the homeopathic approach would be to say, okay, but what was the unique way that the system responded? What, what is it? What is the experience when the person gets in that kind of, um, uh, has that kind of exposure? And then that's, then we can see, okay, what's happening for the individual? How can we match a remedy with what happened in response to help provoke their system back into a correction? Great. That's a great example of the what and the how to get to the why. That's um, you know, I've said this before to you, I see you as a pioneer in the field of homeopathy because you take risks in going beyond um, this classical approach of choosing one constitutional remedy. And the outcome of taking risks is always unknown, but have your choices caused any waves with your classical homeopathic counterparts? Um, well, l- let me answer that with <clears throat> with a couple things. Um, first of all, the stretching the boundaries really wasn't something that I was looking to do. It was more happening in response to what I was seeing in the clinic. And that there were times when what I was trying just simply wasn't working. And we're talking about faithful clients over over years, it would come back every couple, you know, two, three months, and symptoms would shift a little bit, but just really not at a fundamental uh, level. And that 
that was really what um, uh, led to this, seeing some things in new ways, seeing some patterns that I hadn't seen before. And in that way, um, it's, it's great, of course, to have the success in the office and, but the people that aren't getting better but keep coming back are really the greatest teachers because they are, they are uh, asking something, uh, asking me to do more than what I've been doing. And so that, that's one part. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The second part is it goes back to a little bit about the legacy of homeopathy. And Hanuman was... Uh, in many ways, pretty dogmatic about how homeopathy should be practiced. And and he was doing that out of concern uh, that it uh, really was going to be practiced at the deepest level that he could um, uh, see for its potential. And so this has been something that has been both good for the profession, but also a challenge because that part of our temperaments that likes things to um, be definite and, and um, that, that we're right and um, that things have to be a certain way gravitates to that type of, of um, philosophy, you could say, and, and it can be limiting uh, in terms of the inevitable evolution of, of a healing art. So, on the one hand, there was a, you know, a very valid point for when he would talk about using a single remedy. But at the same time, this was happening at a time that even the, the field or the study of psychology had, had hardly begun, except if you looked into, of course, Eastern um, philosophies or religions. But in terms of the practice of psychology and psychotherapy that hadn't begun during Hanuman's time. And he was living in a more isolated and uh, uh, in a some ways simpler world where perhaps a person's state could be um, most of the time distilled down to one theme. There was a period of time, there was a short period of time, a year or two, where he was experimenting with more than one remedy and was close to adopting it. But um, because he was concerned about sloppy prescribing, uh, he backed away from that. But one of the interesting things that he said during that time in a letter was, "I really, my ultimate concern is what's best for the people that we see. And that is his first aphorism in his uh, philosophy of the healing art, which is the physician's highest and only calling is to heal the sick. Um, And he goes on to say, it's not about engaging in philosophical debates. So really, I think we're honoring the first aphorism by responding to what we see in the clinic and perhaps stretching the rules that have been in place that helped us um, to to gain a platform in in prescribing. But when we see other things um, that are beyond that platform, that for the sake of the clients, I think that we, um, or at least for me, speaking for myself, I felt I had to go beyond that. Thank you for weaving it all the way back to Hanuman. Um, I appreciate that. So in this direction, this evolution that you are experiencing yourself um, as a homeopath, can you tell me a little bit about your book? Because I think your book has evolved from this process. Right, right. Okay, well... um... Let me start with the end, and then I'll go back to the book. But what was happening in the clinic over time was I was seeing that there were a number of different stress patterns that would arise from, say, a a very traumatic childhood. 
There could be uh, things related to self-esteem and self-worth, issues related to connection, concerns related to performance, feeling of not having a voice, not having joy or spontaneity because the inner child is shut down, um, and all the attendant physical complaints that can come with that psychological stress. And it became really um, difficult, if not impossible, to distill it down to one theme. But the response, I think, within the profession would be, well, you have to, you have to uh, prescribe based on what you see presenting in front of you at the time, and then one of the other states will um, show up later. But I wondered, are these not lying there all at the same time? Is this complex there all um, coexisting? And that, that there's a, a blending at times of some of these different stress states as well. So what happened with the book then, in, that, in light of that, what happened in the book was that I had done a lot of work with the periodic table elements every one of which, um, at least the ones that we've explored, which is most of the table, all of those elements have very specific homeopathic indications. And by writing the book, insights came up that I never, questions and insights came up that I would never have expected um, that, that they would go beyond what I had already experienced in the clinic. So I saw in the periodic table that, were, that there were themes related to connection and disconnection, um, you know, things related to attachment issues, for example, um, that there were very specific um, things related to performance in different settings and the confidence related to that things related to incarnation and do I really want to be here on earth? And, and alternately, a loss of the inner child where one is so submerged in the world um, and its responsibilities, one's forgotten what it was like to feel joyful, almost like the, um, oh, that Orson Welles movie with Rosebud. That's, um, but that movie describes the loss of the inner child, really. And so the, the writing of the book, I could see that the periodic table prof provided a sort of platform for our modus operandi in the world. Like, how do we connect? How do we perform? Where do we perform? What's our confidence like? And then there are certain themes or atmospheres that pervade our connections and performance. That's what I saw through the table, and, and then through that, I could um, see how the table, again, created a sort of foundation for how we go in the world, and then how um, plant and animal and other remedies kind of uh, expand on some of those themes. So... Yeah, I guess that, that the, the, the book surprised me and it led to a whole nother level of, of questioning and I'm, you know, trying to put those thoughts down now too. Yeah, you, you know, as you were talking, it just seemed to me that it's just part of this overarching theme in our world with the, you know, astrology of what's happening in the stars and with the plants and nature. And here you've connected the periodic table too. Yeah, I think one thing that I saw after getting the book done was that when we pull something out of nature, like let's say the element sodium or potassium or any one of those, in a sense, they don't, they're not balanced really because they, they have their own charge and in nature they're often connected with something else that creates a sort of balance. So let's say um, sodium is balanced with chloride in salt. Um, that, the, there are ways in which a prescription from the table, you could say, can be balanced 
we don't have to worry about that from the plant and animal kingdoms because of all the balancing chemicals in a plant or the homeostatic mechanisms within an animal. And those are reflected in the remedies that the, that the remedies from the periodic table are not um, completely balanced in the same way as a plant remedy is or an animal remedy is. So um, that's maybe a little bit controversial, but it's, it's, a, it's a long topic in and of itself. But that, that um, looking for balance in a prescription was something that opened up a lot of new doors. Yes. And as we're always ever evolving, we're always going to be healing on new levels and changing. And so it does make sense that people would come back because when they evolve, they're basically shedding um, a layer possibly and something else is emerging. I think if I could respond to that, I think that um, these stress states are not really the same as us. We, we get identified with them or blended with them as though they are us. Well, I'm just a nervous person or I'm just a fearful person. The fact is, is that, that that anxiety or fear obscures who we are. And so we would expect that during the process of healing and those states begin to gradually um, resolve, evaporate, um, that more of the person is going to be present, but life being what it is and stress is continuing, we, we might see a similar state come up, but not to the same degree. So in a more um, exaggerated way, we could say if somebody comes in a, in a strong fight or flight state, we wouldn't expect that we're going to keep having to help them from going into a fight or flight state for years. We want that to resolve and maybe that resolves into, you know, a little bit more benign type of uh, discomfort like uh, uh, vigilance or anxiety, but not to, to the degree of fight or flight. And that's, that's like what you said is that the, that the, resolution of these limiting stress states which obscure who we are should also mean that the prescription would in a good way be changing um, to reflect the uh, ever increasing freedom that the person is experiencing okay so do we ever reach this uh enlightened state in this life or will we always be, I mean, I guess it's a relationship with our, our own evolution or our higher self, as some like to say, do, do we ever realize that we are the, um, we are the cause and the cure that, is that what you're coming to? I mean, as, as I see that you're talking, I see kind of this picture in my head where, we come to this realization some about ourselves. Yes, and, and this gets into, you know, <laughs> this gets into deeper philosophical discussions and um, really what is it that drives disease in the first place? And of course, from a conventional perspective, it's things around like genetics and, and uh you know, the immune reaction and so on. But for example, if you look at what the Buddhists say, the, the cause of suffering is the ego or the sense of a separate self. And then the sense of a separate self is really just a, a construct of ideas about who we are, that I have a name and, you know, I have a, a list of, of, memories about what I've done in my life and and but but is that really who I am at a deeper level those are those are more ideas but what happens is that those ideas continue to work to try to uh, we get identified with them and then we work to protect them and um, and we're we're protecting 
a uh, an imaginary construct of who we are when when what that is 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 uh, deeper and can't be can't be really put into words. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I guess I would say a, a friend of mine uh, who founded the school up at uh, Minneapolis, Eric Summerman, once said to me that, you know, when you're working in this area, over time you'll see that a lot of things that are happening are palliation, meaning temporary relief of symptoms, but not, not shifting that underlying problem. And that has... Uh, you know, generated my thinking for years, like what is it that continues to, um, um, you know, keep raising its head as far as states of disease? What is it that drives those states of disease? And I think some of these philosophical um, ideas about what starts our suffering in the first place are, are worth looking at. So what I see the homeopathy doing is is loosening the the tight grip we have on these ideas about ourselves that we can be a little bit more free to be uh, more than memories of what we've done and uh, more than the aspirations of what we have for the future that what we are right now has always been complete. And all of these ideas of, about ourselves put us into a state of incompletion or limitation when in fact the, uh, the wholeness is already there if, if we can begin to loosen um, the grip on self-identification with ideas. I love that explanation of homeopathy. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Um, so I guess, you know, you were saying you're up talking about your book a little bit. Who is it geared for and how would somebody get a copy of that? Uh-huh. Well, the book was written for, um, maybe third, fourth year students, as well as professionals, um, to help them to prescribe compounds from the periodic table. And, the book is available by going to homeopathicperiodictable.com, homeopathicperiodictable.com, and then, um, and then the order form is there. Uh, it it uh, might be a little bit uh, abstract for a person who's just wanting something for home use, and for that I would recommend getting more of um, – books related to um, injuries, uh, first aid, or short-term illness, because the periodic table book is really geared more towards chronic disease and requires a lot of background um, to, to be able to apply the principles in it. Yeah, I understand that for sure. And in my own research for my second book, I looked into, you know, the the characteristics of elements on these higher levels, you know, the personality of these mm-hmm. um, based on a book that I can't remember who wrote it off the top of my head here, but um, yeah. So people who want to go deeper into the elements, yours might be a good book to glean some of that information too, right? Yes. It, it, um, the, there was a Dutch homeopath, his name, well, he's still living. His name is Jan Scholten. And Jan Scholten was a chemist before he became a homeopath. And he was the first one to, to recognize broader patterns that were existing within the periodic table. So that, for example, there are themes for each of the horizontal lines, as well as themes for the vertical columns. And Specifically, the horizontal lines have to do with settings, different settings in which we're experiencing a problem. And the vertical columns have to do with a sense of inner capacity uh, for dealing with the issue. And, And so when you have the intersection of the theme of the horizontal line and the vertical column, there can be a 
um, quick um, um, idea about what that element would be, how that element would be applied in practice. And that's a very quick idea about the, what the book is about, clarifying what those themes would be when they are intersecting. Thank you for sharing some of that. That is really amazing. And so you don't need to see people face-to-face in your practice. How do people contact you for a consult? Well, they can call my office number at 608-239-7074, 608-239-7074. I have a website, which is homeopathy-wi.com. And they could call and we could talk and see if this is a fit for them. And uh, I I am able to do a a phone consult, but it's better to be able to do Skype or Zoom uh, when when not meeting face-to-face. Essentially that at the end of any one of those appointments, including a telephone appointment, the dots all have to connect but it's easier for me to not interrupt somebody when I can see what they're doing on the other end, when they're thinking about an answer to a question. It's really important for me not to jump in with another question um, because I know that that process is going deeper when they're sitting and reflecting. And so um, that's, that's why um, Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, can be essentially, in my opinion, or at least in my practice, as effective as meeting face-to-face. Wonderful. And I will link uh, your website and your book and all your information in the show notes so people can look for it there too. So thank you so much, Dave. Um, I'm honored that you were here sharing your experiences and insights and wisdom. I'm I'm honored to know you, um, and thank you so much for, for what you do. Thank you, Roseanne. I'm honored to know you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, and until next time, healers, lots of love. Visit or consult with Roseanne Lindsay, naturopath, at natureofhealing.org, or you can find her books at her website and at amazon.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.